Blog Talk Radio. Tune in to the hottest sports talk show on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. Join us weekdays at 7 p.m. Stories about players and coaches of all levels. We make it easy to talk sports. Welcome to She Knows Sports with myself, Brittany Jones, alongside Miss Princess Cooper right here on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. How are you today, Miss Princess? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I can tell you living a busy life there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Things have been going crazy for me lately, but everything is good. It's all good stuff, guys. It's all good stuff. But things are got, gotten much busier. Um, than expected. But, Princess, you ready to talk some sports? Let's do it, Brittany. Let's do it. I, we got some stuff I want to talk about. The thread's been hot today. Let's get started. <laughs> yes. Now, I know we had a topic list, and we had our list that we were supposed to talk about, but we got some news <laughs> pertaining to my <laughs> favorite basketball team, my hometown mm-hmm. team. The Philadelphia 76ers, some breaking news. So, today was the last day for Sixers guard James Harden to opt into the final year of his contract, and he decided to do so, but also with the understanding that him, as well as the Sixers front office, will work to get him traded to another team. And apparently, so far, the top two teams that we are mostly hearing about are the Clippers in the Knicks as of right now. I know a couple of people said there are other teams involved. Princess, what are your thoughts on this? My thoughts are is that James Harden is a disruptor, and he may look calm on the court or seem to be aloof as he's walking in the, the, the Coliseum and, and through the tunnels. But um, I thought behind the scenes he was one of the main reasons that Doc Rivers is no longer a Philadelphia 76er coach. But let's just take James Harden for what it is. He is opting in, but with the understanding that he wants a trade. And his owner, GM, whomever, the front office, the brass, just yesterday or the day before said, we're hoping that he still wants to be a 76er. So it looks like that's not what James Harden wants, and that is to be a 76er. Okay, so trade him. And where are the options? I am surprised that there's still some leverage out there or some options for him to go. His track record hasn't done enough for everyone um, involved. So if the Clippers are interested and who was the other team that you said was interested, you know, see you later. Um, But I, I think Harden's inconsistent play in the playoffs when you needed him most, I think really did it for me although I've just never been a James Harden fan. And um, he had some great moments during the season, and it seems like he and Joel Embiid got along. But if he doesn't want to be there, and I've always said that, if you don't want to be there, then see you later, because I, I want the people that want to be there with my favorite team. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, guys, I'm, I'm going to just – if he gets traded, I'm probably <laughs> the happiest person in the world. <laughs> Now, could that also mean that next year, not this year, but next year, Joel B 
potentially could request a trade possibility, but we're not there yet. Might be getting close, but we're not there yet, and we'll talk about that when we come to it. Come to that. Um, but I agree. You know, James Harden has all the talent in the world, even at the age, the tender mm-hmm. NBA age. I'm gonna say tender NBA age of 34 years old. Um, he still has a lot of talent, Princess. He just he's a cancer on the court. Yeah. He's not necessarily a cancer in the locker room. He doesn't cause a whole lot of drama, but he's a cancer on that court because he just he gives up. He quits on a team time and time and time again. You know, when he came to the Sixers I said I'll give him a chance, but he cannot play the way that he played in Houston. And he didn't. He became more of a facilitator and if he would have kept that in his head that I am my best when I can playmate become a playmaker and a scorer then he could have been one of the best point guards even at this older age. But for him, like you said, after the season, he wants the freedom Uh to be able to score and do what he wants on the court, and that has always been his problem. So, yeah, it's time for him to get traded. Now, do I really think they will trade him? I don't. (laughs) I really don't. I'm hoping they do. I kind of don't because it's very interesting. This just says a lot to me that, he could have opted out, and it must not have been a whole lot there out there on the market for him That's to opt correct. out. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead, he chose to opt in and hopes to get a trade because now you're on a one-year deal. More teams are willing to take that risk with you being on a one-year deal, especially at the age of 34 years old. And it's also another thing, Joel Embiid has not been speaking a whole lot this year. Every year he comes out to the press conference or he says something, he tweets something, so maybe he's he's speaking more to the front office. I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but maybe there's also a sign. Maybe Joel went to the front office and said, we could, can we see if we could trade um, Harden? I don't know. I hope that is the case because he needs to speak up more. But any thoughts on Harden's market? Yeah. Listen, I, like I said, I'm surprised. And I do think that um, as – the old people used to say Harden is one of those things that throws the rock and hide his hand. And he may not say a whole lot off the court, but I, I think he's a facilitator of confusion and and, and, and a part of the dysfunction. So now um, he opted in for a reason because if he could have opted out because there was somebody out there ready to offer a big deal and, and, and cover his contract and his last year of $36 million, who wants to lose mm-hmm. that? So opt out and inform the front office that, you know, you do want to seek a trade um, and, and, and go that route. Now, MB being quiet, um, that means a lot to me in saying that they should be quiet. I think we, um, I think those athletes air their dirty laundry way too much. And I hope he is just working with the front office to see what they can do. But you'd have to say during the regular season, Harden and MB look like a, a pretty good tandem. And they yeah. looked like they were ready and poised to make some noise in the playoffs. But they ran up against Boston, and in game seven, I just don't see – it just seemed like Harden said, you know what, I'm done. I'm not doing any more. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm going to pout, and I'm not going to f- facilitate, and I'm just going to be whatever. And and that was part of the flat um, – 
you know, the, how how flat they looked in that last game, that game seven. And you said to me something powerful, which I know we as fans all know. You said you didn't even watch it because you knew um, that where it wasn't going to hit after they gave up, the, you know, the other game. So I don't know what the market is, but you have to be an established locker room to invite James Harden in. You could, can't invite him in to a young locker room like the Detroit Pistons and, and even New Orleans is a young team. You have to, even the Memphis Grizzlies is a young team, um, although they seem to have gotten their veteran now in Marcus Smart. Look, I, I want to say this too, because I, I get really just kind of tongue-tied talking about James Harden. He's just such um, a non-starter for me. But look at the team with the Thunder. They had Durant. They had Westbrook. Mm-hmm. And Harden, they had those three key players, and they looked like they were poised, along with, gosh, I can't think of that, that center's name that I like so much. Um, but they were poised like they were going to run away with some things and win a championship. And all three of them, I feel, are disruptors. Um, in their own way, they are now um, full of stubbornness, and, of course, they get paid the big bucks. And I think they've disrupted um, their teams, and that's what Harden's going to do wherever he goes. Yeah, and, you know, you try to give him the benefit of the doubt, especially when he comes to your team, but that frustration just grows more and more, and Philly fans are sick of it, and I think he can feel that too. So the one thing with players, they can feel the Philadelphia energy when you come to this city. We don't play. If you're going to give us half of what you, what your talent is, then we want you out. So it's either you give us everything or you give us nothing. Um, <laughs> all right, Princess. Let's move on from this Harden situation before I start growing more and more frustrated because I am a Philly <laughs> fan, so we are rough. <laughs> um, but you yeah. did speak on it uh, a little bit, you know, pertaining to the big blockbuster trade that happened last, I think, believe it was last Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a three-team trade that occurred between the Boston Celtics, the Washington Wizards, and the Memphis Grizzlies. So Chris Sapp Porzingis was sent to the Boston Celtics. The Wizards received Tyrus Jones, Delonaro Gallinari, and Mike Muscala, and the Grizzlies received Marcus Smart from the Boston Celtics. Who do you think benefited the most from this particular trade? Oh, I think the Celtics for sure. Um, And I think now I never thought that Marcus Smart would be on the trading block. But if that means Tatum and um, is it Johnson? I, I think that's his last name. They both get to stay. Um, gosh, I, I want to make sure I get that young man's name right. The 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 center that's with them. If those two get to oh, stay, Robert and, and okay, that's who I'm trying to. I don't know why I said Johnson. Robert Williams, <laughs> and they get Porzingis. I I think that's a win-win situation. The rest of the pieces you can you can definitely. Um, circle the wagons with, but that's, but I'm hoping that that means that Williams gets to stay and that they're not looking to do something with him. Um, but that's a pretty good uh, uh, top three right there on your team, and then you can surround them with some facilitators. Yeah, you know what? Um, I, I, had to, I had to think about this particular situation over and over again. Um, I'm still a little torn between the Celtics and the Grizzlies, but I can see why um, Chris Chris Tapp Porzingis would benefit 
the the Celtics. You know, it kind of it opens things up in the middle for a Jason Tatum, for a Jalen Brown, so they can um, be able to get to inside to the basket much easier. You know, be able to move because Chris Paps for Zingas, he's more of a stretch big, which is a good. He can shoot from the outside, so that opens up everything for everybody else. Robert Williams is kind of he's just playing it in the middle, in the center. So it's a little bit tougher when your best players are, you know, uh, perimeter guys or, you know, Jason Tatum and yeah. Jalen Brown. So I do see that. But for some reason, I love this Marcus Smart to the Grizzlies. I really do. Um, I, I really do. I just think his leadership, his veteran presence is going to be very important for this young immature team. He's going to bring that maturity to this locker room. He's going to say, hey, no, we're not doing this. Let's focus here. He's going to help to keep these young guys focused, and I love that about him. He brings – he can score a little bit. He's not a scorer, but he can shoot the ball. He's developed that over the years. And his defensive presence is going to be huge for this uh, Grizzlies team, especially going against the likes of the Lakers or, or – the Nuggets, they're going to need that added defensive presence. Um, and I think he's a much better option than the guy they just lost in Dylan Brooks. You know, Marcus Smart is a <laughs> smart player. Dylan Brooks became a knucklehead for whatever reason. I have no idea. He's a talented guy, but he just became a knucklehead throughout the season. Um, not to say knucklehead. I don't know if that's the appropriate word, but I'm going to say it. Um, <laughs> so I just really think that Marcus Smart could help this young Grizzlies team get to that next level and they were already a Western Conference final contending team. So, plus I think they're going to add a couple more pieces, and I know John Morant is out for the first 25 games, but when he comes back, this young team is going to be something special, and I keep saying that, especially with Desmond Bain and a few other guys. Yeah, you know, um, Marcus Smart I never thought of until maybe the last two two years with the Celtics as a leader on the court in the locker room, he had his growing pains too, but I think he's come to that point. And if you compare that to what's in the locker room with the Grizzlies, okay, he's there yet. And, you know, they lost Brunson the year before, and then they, they happily parted ways with Dylan Brooks this year. Um, but with John Morant out until December, they have some decisions to make, and they're going to have to do a little bit more than just Marcus Smart, I think. But um, if everybody is back on deck um, with John Moran, I see this is a really good they're, – they're planning on playing them together, um, you know, uh, Moran and, and Smart. So I want to see that, and let's see what else they can do. But, yeah, I do like that move. I think that shows me that the Memphis Grizzlies knows what's up, and they were willing to address it and go out and get someone with some veteran presence, and that's Marcus Smart. But still keep most of – their young talent, which is good. Let's see. But overall, um, the East just got a little bit better with that trade to the Celtics. And I was thinking of Jalen Brown, not Robert Williams. Jalen Brown. I want them to keep Brown and Tatum and then add Przingis. And then really, you know, I don't know who will take over the point guard duties, um, but but let's see. But that's a big move, I think, by the Celtics. They're saying they, they're ready to win now and they're ready to compete with Milwaukee, and Milwaukee has his own set of issues, too. So, Princess, speaking of that, you know, I know we both like the Christoph 
Chris Stapps presenting this trade to to Boston. We do think that um, he's a good fit over there. But here's my question to you. That leadership presence is missing because Marcus Smart is now gone. Do you think they will miss Marcus Smart because of that? You know what? That's a good point because I don't think Jason Tatum is a vocal leader. And it doesn't seem like Brown is either. Williams just, you know, is is where he is, and that's playing the the, the post position at, at center. So yeah, maybe they just lost them. Who picks that up? And mm-hmm. who could you bring in there to pick that up? You don't want Harden, and you don't want Kyrie because Kyrie already said, you know, it gave the finger to Boston, so he's not coming back. And and Harden is not an option. So that yeah, they they really have to figure out who is going to be the leader the vocal leader, and who is going to um, run run the point. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting because that vocal leadership was very important for them, um, especially in this past playoffs. And we've seen it times where Boston just seemed like they was just not focused or they was just all over the place on the court. Things weren't flowing well. And Marcus Smart was the one who brought it back together. You can see him on the, the, the bench on the sideline during the time I was getting his team focused, talking to him, screaming at him, whatever he needed to do to make sure yeah. when he got back on that court, you know, they were playing like they were supposed to play. And even when there were times, because Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are not the most consistent players, and I'm not sure if they'll ever develop into the most consistent players. They're still fairly young. But that's something that a lot of players will tend to struggle with for many years, um, regardless of talent talent level. And Marcus Smart, throughout a lot of the series um, during the playoffs, made timely, important baskets to ensure this team was uh, either was still in able to win a game or put them up by two or three points, whatever the situation was. That was Marcus Smart behind that, that cut this team in many series. So it's going to be interesting. I think they missed out on that. And sometimes with Chris Chris Paps he tends to be injury prone. So if he can even stay yeah. on the court, there's another question. I like the trade, but will he be able to stay on the court? Because if he does, doesn't, Boston may see themselves in trouble um, throughout the playoffs next year, but hopefully not so. Yeah, yeah. Let's see what else they do. Um, they, I think they have to address who's going to run the team. Um, I, I think their um, their their front court it, it looks pretty good, but the back court who's going to be there? Right. All right, guys. Let's switch gears. Um, I want to get to this question. I actually uh, uh, posed this question Tuesday on on the Tuesday show. Uh, uh, oh goodness, what's the name of that show? Oh, I'm on that show. Uh, the sidelines <laughs> speaks on YouTube. <laughs> Um, but I wanted to get to Thoughts Princess. Um, and I wanted to, and I actually added an extra player in this situation. Throughout the history of basketball, who do you think was the more influential NBA player? And I have quite a few of them. I have Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Allen Iverson, Steph Curry, Dr. J, or Jerry West. Out of those, I think it was six names there. Who do you think wow. is the more influential player? Actually, second. Well, I'm not going to say Jerry West, although I know he's the logo in, in um, you know, 
that was basketball back there, then in its purest form. I am stuck between Steph Curry and LeBron James, and I'm really torn about Dr. J because I thought his flair um, was exactly what the NBA and the sports world needed at the time, um, and I think it changed the face. But I've never seen a major change in how we view, and I, I think I spoke about this last night on Sports Talk with Kay Walk and East Scott, me and, and Jason Collins were guests, uh, about the fact that how Steph Curry, to me, really changed how I watched the NBA and made me ready and more appealing to watch the NBA. I thought LeBron was already established by then, and I think in itself um, – his overpowering play and fast play and being able to play all five positions at one point in his career, um, and I think he still can, uh, was, was really eye-opening. But for me, Steph Curry really changed my outlook. And I remember him at Davidson. I remember him in March Madness. And I remember him being drafted by um, Mark Jackson. And I was thinking, man, he needs to put on some weight. But that young man um, has changed the three-point shooting and outside shooting and long-range shooting and whatever else you can say. And it really perked up my interest in the NBA, and I became a fan quickly and um, and got on the bandwagon of the Golden State Warriors um, for quite a while there. Now, I was tired of them winning so many championships, but that is, that's an easy thing or that's a wonderful problem to have. But I'm going to say Steph Curry, and that's surprising to me considering my era was more Dr. J and Allen Iverson, but I'm going Steph Curry. Yeah, I, I understand exactly where you're coming from, especially with the three-point. You know, Steph Curry has every young player thinking they could just be a pure three-point shooter and could shoot it from the other side of the country. And it's just like, no, please stay within your own skill set. Stop trying to be a player like Steph Curry. That That is him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he absolutely changed the uh, impact of the game from that perspective, um, especially with the kids. Oh, my goodness. It drives me insane how they play and how every team is now trying to model, you know, their game plan after the Warriors, which is also annoying. You know, but for me, um, I think it's still always going to be Allen Iverson or Dr. J in this situation. You know, Allen Iverson, you start with him, his impact on the culture of the game, you know, mm-hmm. is the reason why players are able to listen to the music they want to listen to, carry them, be themselves now, you know, dress the way they want to dress. Um, he brought in the one-arm sleeves, you know, the headband, and, you know, uh, the braids, you know. I know braids were your, were popular a little bit pri- prior to him, but he created a whole culture behind it, you know, just bring it, you know, saying, you know what, I want to be myself. I'm not no business savvy type guy. I don't want to dress in a business suit. And he got punished for it. He got fined a thousand and one times just for wanting to be his self. Um, mm-hmm. And then you look outside of basketball, the music videos. You know, he had grown men wearing his jersey and trying to to look like him. So, and then even on the court, that crossover. <laughs> you know, prior to him, the crossover was really stiff. Um, after him, you know, after everybody's doing this more fluid crossover now, faster crossover. Um, but I have to give it to Dr. J. 
You know, there's a reason why they call Dr. J Michael Jordan before Michael Jordan, not necessarily because of his talent. Dr. J was talented. You know, it was unfortunate that he didn't get to the NBA until about the age of 32 years old, I believe. But he yeah. was big time over in the ABA. Um, and like you said earlier, I know they credit Magic and Larry Bird. They credit them of saving the NBA. But I don't think the NBA would have even got as far as it did to give them credit for that if Dr. J did not come over because um, they were trying for years to get Dr. J over. But everybody modeled their game after him. His his smoothness, the way he dunked the ball, the way he carried himself, um, and you hear Michael Jordan talk about it all the time. Dr. J is like was like my favorite player. He was like my idol growing up. So for yeah. me, yeah. I'm gonna say Dr. J because when you can impact the greatest player in the history of the NBA, you're automatically you know you're impacting everybody else. So I'm gonna say Dr. Yeah. J for me and his. his yeah, you know what. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I vote for the Afro for sure. And I vote for how he was an ambassador, a good ambassador for the game. I don't know if I thought Allen Iverson was in his own right. Um, You know, they talked, I think he was the John Morant in a way before John Morant and and only because he had his posse too. And I remember them um, trying to reach out to um, Thompson, the, the head coach of Georgetown and to come and talk to Allen Iverson about bringing all of his boys with him and how he was going to have to let some of that go. And I'm not going to even go to the practice. We're talking about practice. But I thought Steph Curry brought the whole aura with him, um, the mystique and the legendary of his dad or the legend of his dad, and the fact that he was willing to engage before games and put on a show and and shoot, you know, threes from in, in the in the in the stands and some of the seats and um and the whole thing that he created. And I know he's not the first to do this little shimmy after um um you know shooting the basket, you know, um, or making a basket, or the fact that he would turn around and run away before it went in. I think that whole aura really um, for some reason appealed to me, and I don't like a whole lot of arrogance. And I didn't think that was. I thought that was showmanship. And I think all of them had it, including Iverson, including Kobe, including Dr. J. And, you know, and, and I, I have my own um, personal preference in LeBron James. I just, just thought, thought at my age, Steph Curry really appealed to me. Yeah, you know, and, and I understand that. I absolutely understand that. Um, I just think with Alan Iverson, and I understand the whole practice thing, but you got to, I think everybody should watch the whole story before <laughs> they say practice. He did practice, wasn't a huge fan of it. He definitely didn't like lifting weights. That was his main problem. But he did practice. Uh, I think he recently, they said um, his best friend, you know, it was like his brother growing up died. And they was asking him all these questions. And at that moment, he was like, I do not care about any practice right now. Right now I'm just focused on the game. And it just came out wrong. But I do have to give credit to Steph Curry because he has impacted the game on the court to me um, that has not been done in a very long time, probably since, in my opinion, Kobe Bryant. Um, LeBron, as much as I like LeBron and as great of a player he is, um, I just feel like with people my age, we just don't have that connection with him for some reason because it's weird because he was drafted when I was about 13 years old. He just didn't connect with us in the way 
the Steph Currys and the Allen Irisons and the Kobe Bryants uh, did, even the Michael Jordans, which was a little bit before us, did. So I don't know what that disconnect is. So I can't see LeBron being there, although he's a talented player, but I do agree with the Steph Curry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, Jason's made up a good point. It really depends on what area you came from. He said they asked, you know, at the um, NBA draft, who is the greatest player of all time? Who's the GOAT? And they all said LeBron James, and that's because, they, you know, they're all 18, 19, and they grew up with LeBron mm-hmm. James. LeBron James has been in the league 18 or 19 years. These these young men are at that age. So it really depends. Um, but, you know, we could, we have that debate so many times. But, I yeah, you know, um, Steph Curry, I, I think, but I can also so see Dr. J. I was um, at one point in love with Dr. J, uh, you know, and, and had plenty of his posts, <laughs> yeah. I was in love with Dr. Yeah. J. So. And I got to shake his hand, and he has the biggest hands on planet Earth. I felt like a little <laughs> ant shaking his hand, by the way. All right, Prince, well. let's move on to the next topic. Um, we only have, uh, I guess, one more. Should be good. Yeah. Let's see. Mm-hmm. So just going back to the NBA, and is another big thing this offseason, or still is this free agency, Kyrie Irving. So Kyrie Irving, as we know, is a free agent. He's not signed to anybody. But he has agreed to meet with, or he plans on meeting with the Suns and the Mavs. And also I heard potentially he may be looking into the Philadelphia situation because James Harden is looking to get traded as well. But just when you spoke about with Harden, why isn't there a big market for Kyrie Irving? He's a talented player. He is a... A pure talent, um, Kyrie Irving is. I remember Kyrie coming out and then committing to Duke. And remember, I don't think he played 10 games for Duke. He was hurt. And then he gets drafted, you know, into the NBA with Cleveland and really, I thought, did a, an awesome job in, in surrounding himself with good talent. And, of course, then they were the tandem, LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. But remember – I think his personality really does supersede a lot of his talent. He didn't want to be in Cleveland because he didn't want to be, you know, the Robin to, to LeBron's Batman, whatever that means. And then he gets to 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 the Celtics, and that seems like the blockbuster trade. Um, and, you know, eventually that wars in. And then he goes to Brooklyn, and it really is ugly. And I, and I really fault him in how he handled the pandemic and how he handled – the shot or not taking the shot and saying that he was investigating, you know, what's in the shot, you know, um, we as a people, we okay, we'll drink some Mad Dog 2020, and yeah, that's probably something that Brittany doesn't know anything about, but we are investigating what's in a flu shot or the pandemic trying to save ourselves. I didn't like how he handled that. And, you know, okay, so now he's in Dallas with Luca, and um, that looked good for a little bit. That seemed to sour. It didn't seem to really have the formula to win and to make any noise. And here we are. He's a free agent. Who wants him? Um, I would be, I would caution those teams that are even thinking about it, even though he's a raw, pure talent. Um, he's a problem, and he's not a good problem. Yeah, uh, I'm in agreement with everything you said, Princess. This guy is so talented. It makes no sense. He can mm-hmm. literally take over a whole entire game and just lights out, just score the basketball from all levels of the court. And he becomes unstoppable when he is 
truly focused and just on fire. But his attitude, you know, his all about Kyrie Irving, it just it gets frustrating. You know, he just observes boycotts like their holidays just to do random stuff. Oh, okay, you're not letting a bird out of this cage. I'm not going to show up to work today. Some yeah. female just got her period. I'm not going to show up to work today. So it's just like, <laughs> you have to use that. So I can say that because I am a female. Um, I wish I could say mm-hmm. that at work. And I'm just like, show up for your brothers. You know, just show up. For First, honor your contract. That's first and foremost. But secondly, show up for your teammates and your brothers. Um, like, you'll, everything's going to be okay. What's going on over here and in, in, on the left field is, has nothing to do with Kyrie Irving because Kyrie Irving, first of all, is not going to do anything about it except for sitting on his couch. Um, but Princess, real quick, because I know we're coming to the end of the show, you notice that the NBA are, is changing. Kyrie Irving, James Harden, uh, I think Ka- Kawhi is starting to have some issues. Um, and then maybe one other, Ben Simmons, teams don't want these players as much anymore. They're not offering the big-time contracts, and they're still talented players. They haven't declined too much. They are still talented players and can really um, help a team contend for a championship. But teams, I think, are getting headaches. Are you noticing this? I think it is a trend, and I question the mental strength of Ben Simmons James Harden and Kyrie Irving. I think that they are, are are soft in that in that perspective, and they complain about some of the the most trivial things. In my estimation, now Ben Simmons is is next level, and I think he really brought it to the forefront. I, I don't think he's cut out for a true competition, or maybe when it got a little tough, he wasn't tough enough to handle it. But I question the mental strength of those three. Now, Kawhi Leonard, no, I don't. I think he's, you know, um, faced adversity and come back, decided that he was going to leave the Spurs and go to Toronto and win a championship. So, um, and and I think he's just entry prone. But, yeah, I, I do think that we're at a different era in basketball where your mentality or your mental strength is now at the forefront and, we have to maybe pay attention to our mental health. But I think these three take it to another level. And if that's what Ben Simmons needs, then okay, go sit down, retire, and go handle your mental health. But we as fans, we love our teams, and we really want to be entertained, especially if we're viewing it, if we're watching it, if we're paying for it. We want to be entertained. We don't want to hear all that other stuff a lot of times. Maybe that's wrong by us. And maybe that makes makes us seem like we don't care. But yeah, that that era is here, Brittany. I'm glad that you noticed it, and I'd like to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I'm. I'll be honest. I'm excited. It's just it's it's ever since David Stern right passed away, or, or you know, yeah, he passed away. I just felt like who's the commissioner now? I can't even think of his name at this particular Adam, Adam Silva. Silva. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just think he is not the most tough commissioner in the world. I I, I don't like it. It's, I'm not saying he's a bad commissioner. I just think he could be a little bit more strict like David Stern mm-hmm. was. Um, and I think he allows these players just to do whatever they want, however they want, whenever they want. And I'm just like, you are still technically the employer. These are still your employees. And not only that, 
you are trying to entertain these stands. These particular players, four players can cause you to lose so much revenue, it makes no sense. And I'm starting to feel like yeah. they're starting to understand this. They're starting to get this. Maybe they're starting to feel the fans' frustration with this, and they're learning these GMs are getting tired, and they're really learning to do – they want to do something about it, and this is their way of doing something about it. If you continue to do it, we're not going to pay you anymore. We're not going to waste our time, money, and energy to invest in you, especially when we're not able to recuperate um, our investment in you. And I love it. I absolutely love it because I was getting tired of all of them. So it's just like you got to straighten up. Grizzlies, yeah. uh, John Morant got suspended. You got to straighten up. It's like, okay, now I'm starting to see, all right, maybe the NBA will eventually change change for the better, because if it kept going this way, Princess, I already said it about three times, I'm tired of the NBA. I don't want to watch it. I put all my focus in WNBA if I need to and in college mm-hmm. basketball because it was just, yeah. it was it, it was becoming a circus. It really was. It was becoming a true circus. I think post-pandemic and right after the pandemic and trying to recover and all of the issues that were going on and, and the requirements of shots and the different rules from state to state and country to country really just um, exhausted me. And then it seems like I didn't like the way certain players handle that. And I could go all really off with Aaron Rodgers, but that's a whole different sport. But I think mm-hmm. that these players exhausted me. And to me, they came off as weak. Um, they did not come off strong to me, and it came off as they, they were selfish. They never checked that box to the door, and that is, you know, keep your selfishness to yourself. Um, and, and I think that's how Ben Simmons seems to me right now. That's how Kyrie Irving seems to me right now. And James Harden just really seems weird. I was watching, you know, a clip today of some of the outfits he had coming into um, the stadium. He um, he needs to get some something mentally checked too, and maybe I shouldn't judge him by his dress, but some of that stuff was just, oh my God, what are you doing? Um, you are a role model, whether you like it or not, because you are a superstar in this country. Um, do better, but their personalities, I think, have have shined through, and sometimes it just hasn't looked good, and and they are okay with that, and that's the era that we're in. Um, they're okay with showing some of their, their 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 idiosyncrasies, some of the things that, you know, are minute or trivial about them. They're okay with that because they're going home to $36 million a year. You know, we're struggling for six figures here, and they're going home to $36 million a year at, at least, and, and that's where we are. Yeah, I, and trust me, I understand with the James Harden outfit. One time he came into the Sixers Stadium looking like a pink big bird. I'm like, what do you have yes. on? need to go home and change. But, <laughs> again, I guess I got to credit Alan Irishman for allowing these players to dress how they want to dress. So maybe that rule oh, yeah. come back with something. Thank you, about. Alan Irishman. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but on that note, guys, we have come to the end of the show. And actually, before I throw it back to you, Princess, I just want to shout out uh, K-Walk because I did just put it in our Facebook thread. Uh <laughs> I guess he is looking at James Harden. Your thoughts? I guess you'll let us know in the Facebook thread on that one. Yeah, <laughs> give him a shout out because he was he he commented, Brittany, that you need to pay attention to the show. We got the show, Kevin. I need you to go go call the Heat and Pat Riley and see what you're gonna do. I think Kyrie is a good fit, but but I think 
well, they're both liabilities. It's, it's, it's pick or choose. But um, we, we decided we were going to only do 30 minutes tonight, and we got in a little bit more than that for sure. We got in 40 minutes almost. Um, we're going to end the show there. A shout-out to everybody that had a great week. We did have a great week. Shout-out to the Sideline Speak with Brittany and Jason and Kevin Walker. That's on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. And to my um, two co-hosts, David Riley and Tim Moore, we had a good week too. Brit- Brittany, it is now time for the weekend. Have a great weekend, okay? Yes, and happy 4th. Happy 4th. And oh, tomorrow, June 30th, is David Riley's birthday. So happy early. Happy, happy birthday. birthday to you, young man. I think he'll be 85, and that's my running joke with him every year. So, But happy birthday, Duck. Never had a so good sports radio. Brittany, have a great evening. Have a good night.